Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Morgan. Happy Thursday and happy episode 167. We were both sitting the same way and it was really cute and I I was going to comment on it and then you fucking just moved. Well, all I could see (laughs) were my giant jeans in the video camera. All I can see is my ankles, my ankle socks and my dirty white shoes. (laughs) The dirty white shoes. And that's fine. That's fine. Guys, we should be back on YouTube. If you haven't looked already, we have released something that we've been working on since October. A little unseriousness. Yeah, we're, we started a new series. And okay, we're not positive that this is going to be the name of that playlist. We've tossed around like 32 different names, but we had uh-huh. to pick one right in that moment. That was the one at the top of the list. And so it's called, it's a playlist on our YouTube. We're going to try to do it like a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Different things each month. This, yeah, this month was Am I the Asshole Step Parent? edition we haven't like picked a schedule for it but we recorded a bunch and we've had them put away for how long now a month like an insane amount of time things got astray yeah shit just went a little crazy and so now we we've got it going it's on youtube you guys probably saw the clip on our instagram if you follow us on our instagram which means that you're not grounded if you don't follow us on our Instagram, you're still fucking grounded. You're grounded. Go stand in the corner. So right this minute. I mean, I don't know what punishment we can give you, but if you guys keep fucking around, I'm not posting on Thursday. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm definitely posting on Thursday. Are you kidding me? Are you shitting me? Like I'm that- shut your mouth right now. Yeah. What are What are we gonna do? If you don't follow us, we're going to. I'm not gonna edit out all of our breaths. <sighs> Or mm. all of our um ums. Our ums. Or our likes. Or our literallys. Literallys. I think we might say like more. Like, like, uh, like, 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 is like, like. It's bad. Horrific. It's really bad. It's bad. We are approaching very quickly to Christmas. Um, How's everyone's Christmas shopping going? Mine In has this not economy. started. And nor <laughs> I kind of just straight out told everybody that. No Christmas from us. Mm-hmm. We don't want a Christmas from you. Yeah. Especially our parents because our wedding is three months after and yeah. we it's quite the pretty penny the from year both we got sides. Married. And it's just I don't want anything. Yeah, like, no. That's enough for me for the next five years. The, truly. The Christmas before and the Christmas after. We did it like that for two Christmases. And then like the Christmas after the wedding. Yeah. Um, everyone got us like, you know, very married newlywed shit but we both taylor and i both got the sweetest christmas present today oh my god from our manager maggie what Uh, what guys she so about two months ago she texts us are you guys um meat eaters yeah and we were like like, what the fuck and she's like it's just just answer it don't worry about it and of course of course taylor's response was Yes, I do. But at one point in my life, I was <laughs> vegan and vegetarian. I just I didn't know if she wanted me to like if she was going to be like giving us a lecture. You know, you just don't know sometimes. You just never know. You never know. So I was like, I'm getting but and I, then I had to throw it at the end. But the only thing Morgan cannot have is nuts. <laughs> it's going to be like that. You bring up food to anybody and Taylor's immediately the only thing Morgan cannot have is nuts. Nuts. I'm like so incredibly like hyper aware of it all so the time. we got these steaks these we have each of us got four eight ounce fillets like what um i'm looking up the picture it's from new york L- from lobels 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 it's gotta be lobels yeah lobels of new york four eight ounce fillets are you kidding me aaron's going to shit his pants when he yeah sees these. he's gonna literally lose it and he's gonna co- try to cook them and they're gonna be burnt and i don't want you to no, know no i'm, a, I'm literally about to bring like whenever we have that dinner mm-hmm. 
We should all. We should do it together. We should. A little we Christmas should. din din. We need to do that. You're cooking. Yeah. Not me. I'll burn them. Um, I, I have a special pan that I use to cook fillets on. Do you on. use cast irons on those? Um, I just use the ones that are all over metal that Logan burned his hand on because you can put them in the oven. Oh, my God. Remember? Yeah, you remember that? Does everybody remember that? Because that shit was crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy. But shout out to our manager because that was a cool ass gift. Yeah, we ain't never got snakes before. Yeah, the reason I what. don't want y'all to think that we're like sitting here bragging about it or whatever, but like she's pretty cool. We the fact that the the reason why it's such a big deal is we have never received like a business Christmas thing. Yeah, and you know that's like really common. Like people that work in offices, you have like a Christmas party, you get a Christmas bonus, you get like a Christmas gift. When I worked in football. Um, all of the coaches individually gave us Christmas yeah. gifts. And I loved it because... You know what our hospital gives us? What? It's like the best Christmas gift ever. Um, it's a 20% off coupon for your ham at the local Kroger. Yeah. You know what? Not even the not even the honey bakery or what is it no, called? Honey, honey baked, baked ham? ham? No, no. no this is Kroger. Actually, I lied. It's yeah. Food City. Okay, but I will say, you know, grocery store hams or turkeys or whatever you can make yourself a good fucking spiral ham we can't even get a free one you can you got these nurses working you got these nurses literally like not paid seeing their lives yeah and we're getting coupons 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 not even for a whole thing that's corporate america for you that that that's actually non-profit america that is (laughs) non-profit yeah that that's our (laughs) medical system uh that's our health care so in america guys i hope you had a great thanksgiving we haven't chit-chatted since No, we haven't had a chit-chat yeah no we had a great time how was your deep fried turkey um fucking amazing fucking phenomenal i would love to have it again Mm, i told uh, you about the peanut mm, oil right the what peanut oil no so i was um, your own brother uh-huh. I was really excited about this deep fried turkey and I walk out there and I see this big box and it says peanut oil on it. And I walk back in. I was like, no one think about me in here. No one care about Not me. Not a single person. Not a single person. Taylor does. And it was like, I already looked it up. It says once it gets to a certain degree that it just like it disintegrates all of the allergen in the peanut oil. And I was like, so did you look that up before or after you ordered it, Mitchell? I don't know what. <laughs> so I did check it out. I did make sure. And I was like, Okay, so I ate it anyway because I eat fucking Chick Fil A and yeah. Five Guys. Yeah, and, and that's that all peanut fine, oil. So maybe that is true. Maybe that's factual. He he probably did look it up. Yeah, you know he's he does his research. Yeah. One thing about Mitchell. I got my oil changed. Yeah. Saw that getting your oil changed. Yeah. Oil. Um, I'm still dreaming about Coke ham. Yeah, it was good. I want to make another thing. I, what I regret though is I forgot to get my Tupperware of. Yeah, and you always save me a little piece of Coke ham, and I didn't get that this year. I so. forgot it. I, like, forgot my whole... T- I had a whole I to-go thing. I did try. <gasps> she did. Dressing. And I, it is different. It's totally different. It's totally different. It's it, like a yeah. casserole. It's like, like, um... It's like a... it Guys. Like a quiche. It's, it's like a quiche. It's like a cornbread quiche. Yeah. Because... This one, the the dressing that I have, the reason it's called dressing is because it's an old family recipe. And I'm thinking about, guys, oh, also another thing, if you haven't gotten on our newsletter. new newsletter, it's linked in our link tree. Let me move my feet um, And I'll put, the, I'll put the link in the description below. But we did a holiday newsletter, which we're so fucking excited about. Little gifting guide, little decor gifting, guide. Gifting, decoration, guide. baking. And me and Morgan give, like, some of our favorite recipes and, like, you know, inspos. We give you our, like, pinterest boards for like what we dream of for christmas yeah and um one of the recipes in it this year was my mom's coke ham and 
Iconic. Next year, I might do my great great grandmother her dressing, and I'm like really excited about it. If yeah. if I get to do it, I'm gonna ask my grandmother again because she's she was cool about it at first, but like I just I felt bad because she you know this is she's the only one that makes it now and like really wanted to pass it down to me. So I went over last year and I learned how to make it. But yeah. guys, it is so it's just like so southern. It's literally just cornbread how the instructions say on the back of a cornmeal box mm -hmm. and then like onions and like the sage and rosemary and all the things and it is not what i was expecting no and you like grind it up you put like chicken um chicken stock in it and you like roll it up and then you bake it and it rises and it creates those like little squares mm -hmm. and so it's crumbly like in your mouth but on the plate it's not just like laying everywhere so but I've never I had never had like stuffing I've never like had real stuffing I've only ever had like the box kind mm -hmm. for like Friendsgivings and stuff but I've I want to try it really bad but it it's so different like and Morgan Morgan had no idea Morgan first off she raw dogged it cold as hell I did straight and straight she was mouth. like what what yeah I wasn't expecting it. it had a good aftertaste but because I had a cold and by itself I didn't know yeah. I didn't care for it but I would say it'd probably be really good with some gravy yeah it's so good with gravy or uh, on like a a biscuit with you know yeah, the morning after the biscuits. morning my morning after biscuit that I have to do and my cranberry sauce um which I got a lot of hate on my fucking Instagram post for liking cranberry sauce. I'm not and a cranberry sauce. Y'all shut up because I'm I don't want the like broken up kind that you mix up and it looks all lumpy and like a jelly. I want it to be still in the shape of the can with the ridges in it. Ugh. From ocean spray or whatever it is. That's that is my shit. But I didn't like cranberry sauce until probably three years ago yeah. I just randomly was like my family doesn't like it so I've never had to try it you mm -hmm. know well the reason why was because I it was like when charcuterie boards started being a thing and so I was eating like cheese and meats and jellies and jams on it yeah. and I was like well this tastes so good because the salty and sweet together right why don't why that does make sense as to why I would want to put it on that dressing and have it with the turkey because it's gonna be that sweet salty savory taste all at once uh but you ready to hop into this shit? I am. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Hey, Morgan, before you get into it, we have got to tell them about the biggest deal of the season. Of course. You guys, we've officially made it to December, which means it's time for 12 days of deals at Honey Love, our go-to for bras and shapewear. From December 1st to December 12th, Honey Love will be dropping new limited time deals nearly every day. So do not miss out. This holiday season, I'm especially thankful for Honey Love because there's nothing worse than suffering caused by uncomfortable bras or shapewear. And you guys know I've talked about it just like beyond the amount that I should ever talk about anything, how much I freaking love their bra because they have revolutionized the bra and shapewear game. Say goodbye to uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing the lift. Plus, 
plus they're made with fabric that's so soft you won't want to take it off and that is so that's true true because i literally have it on right now no i have on mine right now here let me show you and we literally look it's so cute so they're cute. so stinking cute too and I, I already told you guys this in the last time we talked about them i fell asleep in it am i okay i know am i okay who someone, is she someone just like check my vitals here and as for their shapewear they use targeted compression technology so you can wear effective shapewear without feeling like you're suffocating which is like the hardest thing to find in the shapewear industry period you'll immediately feel and see the difference so get yourself the gift of comfort and support at the discounted rate so ladies gift the gift of comfort this holiday season whether you're attending a wedding hosting a friend's giving or family dinner or simply seeking that everyday boost of confidence honey love is the perfect plus one no they they 100% are we can attest to that so when because I know you're going to when you visit honeylove.com to shop there once a year December deals just let them know that we sent you you know your girls your besties creeps and crimes Morgan Taylor sent you when the survey asks you to treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save up to 20% off site-wide at honeylove.com slash creeps and crimes this month only after you purchase they're going to ask you where you heard about them and remember you got to be supportive of your besties so let them know that it was us Morgan Taylor creeps and crimes that sent you it's time to ditch that underwire for good thanks to honey love go to honeylove.com forward slash creeps and crimes for this month only after we were like let's get creepy two <laughs> seconds later Logan it comes got creepy <laughs> busting it got crimey it got crimey Logan comes busting in the door and he's like hey our neighbors just came over with their cctv footage and last night someone broke into taylor's car <laughs> and I was like, well, that's beautiful. Um, or me, are the mic stands still there? Yeah, Morgan's like, well, what about the mic stands? I, don't, I haven't even confirmed if those are in the back because I'm not opening any doors yeah. until Crime Lab comes out here. All right, Morgan, what do you have for me that's creepy and not crimey? All right, <laughs> I do have a creepy story for you today, and it is the case of Granger Taylor. And this was requested by one of our listeners. Um, unfortunately, there is not a whole lot on this case, so you guys are going to have to bear with me. You're going to be like, what? That's oh all we my know. God. But it's good and it's creepy and it's alien related. So I'm going to start us off with a letter that was written by Mr. Granger Taylor. It says, Dear mother and father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien ship as reoccurring dreams assured a 42 month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe and then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Imagine waking up to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's jarring. This letter from 32-year-old Granger Taylor would be the last time anyone ever hears from him. Granger Taylor was born on October 7th, 1948 on Vancouver Island. As a kid, he was a very big boy. Very stocky, very strong, but his personality was completely opposite from his figure. Okay. He was not like your big, typical, like, meathead. So he know? was like a teddy bear. He's literally Marshall when Marshall was a kid. Mm. That's exactly how I would describe Marshall. Yeah, that's sweet. He was very shy at shy he was very shy and very quiet in the eighth grade granger decided that school was not for him okay. so he drops out and this was a shock to his family friends teachers because granger excelled in school really he was incredibly gifted and like borderline child genius oh he was smart so but he was bored 
is bored. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't for him. He knew all that shit. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to learn that. Education wasn't his interest. Machinery was. So he drops out in the eighth grade and he starts working at a local mechanical shop. People that knew him said that he was simply infatuated with machines. Mm. It was this gift that he had where, you know, it was the, the call guy. When friends and family knew, he'd be able to fix anything and everything of theirs that ever broke. The fridge was leaking, call Granger. The car was stalling, call Granger. Top of your stove shattered, call Granger. You know, let me tell you something about this. I need a Granger, number one. Me too. Number two, I want to be a Granger. And number three, the gift of being able to like, because people that have that type of mind, like they look at a machine and it's just like common sense to them. Right. It's just as simple as me and you looking at something that we have to edit and knowing that, okay, we but can get someone else it's like if someone else ever had to do extraterrestrial. it right right and again that, but still like that's something that came natural to him that's something that we taught us mm-hmm. ourselves so like for him how old are you in eighth grade 14 13 uh, 13 I think 13 or 14 yeah you're 13 14 yeah and yeah. he was just he was the go-to guy. and it just so, made sense to him that yeah. that is a gift it wasn't for him but he was a smart motherfucker as a teenager granger had restored a one-cylinder car and a bulldozer and then he would take this bulldozer around his neighborhood <laughs> and use it to help neighbors with any outdoor construction projects that they oh had going God. on great like, you guys need help little 14 year old granger pulling up in a restored bulldozer that he did himself. that he did himself coming to help out like God. he was a good kid he yeah. was smart and sweet and cared for helpful others. and he also restored an old steam locomotive that would eventually be featured at the bc forest discovery center so it's in a museum now oh, and he, what he restored wow wow this just goes to As show a teenager. you that some people just don't School doesn't work for them. Yeah. But his most prized restoration was of a World War II Kitty Hawk plane. He restored this Kitty Hawk plane. You know the ones with like the fate, the like, uh, yeah, they got like the, it looks like sharks on the top. Yes, like sharks on it. He restores one and it's eventually purchased by a collector for tens of thousands of dollars. Oh my God. He was a little, little boy genius. During all of this, he met his best friend, Robert Keller. Okay. These two bonded over some good old classic reefer. Yep. They were stoners. Hardcore. (laughs) And Robert would later say that at any time the two of them were high, it always ended up one topic of conversation. Aliens and space. Are me and you Granger and... Are we Granger and Robert? Robert? Bobby and Granger? Yeah, that's who we are. I think so too. Granger and Rob exactly at the time ufos were booming this is when world war ii pilots were reporting seeing those big balls Mm. of light in the sky ufo reports came flooding in alien alien abductions were becoming a thing that people were actually speaking on roswell had just happened and we actually i don't know when we talked about this maybe in the old pipe and hot goss that we're re-recording today but remember when i told you that there's this theory i'm just gonna side note this real quick this theory that E.T. reports came in after World War II because of the atomic bomb. Oh, yeah, And it was like once a nuclear... When um, the hell did we talk about it? I don't know. But anyway, it was around this time. So UFOs were popping. Throughout all of this, one of their topics of conversation was that Granger? Yeah. He's going to build his own spaceship. Oh, yep. yep. So he spent almost an entire year welding together this life-size replica of a UFO from just random parts and pieces that he would go and collect at the local dump. 
Whoa. He built it out of a two satellite receiving dishes. So like I, I'm Those picturing big like ones. the big ones. Yeah. yeah. And instead of building a ship that would fly, he really just wanted to build a place where he could think, reflect, mm-hmm. study. And what better place to do that than the most iconic smoke sesh room ever? I mean, in the world. In the world. I want one. And this is what he did with the UFO. It was his own personal thinking spot. It was his hideout. There was a TV in there, a couch, a stove. And again, at this point, he was obsessed, infatuated with UFOs, aliens, how flying saucers were even powered. So he would just sit in there and spend hours and hours sitting in the ship that he built, thinking about all of this and sometimes would even sleep there. Wow. The UFO was located on his parents' farm, just kind of out there near like the tree line. So yeah. it wasn't like obvious from the road. It was back in the farm. It wasn't in the woods. Either, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like he also still lived with his parents. So this was yeah. like his little escape. Yeah. His own fucking UFO. Are you kidding me? Right no, now? Th- I-, I want one so bad because all I'm over here thinking is, wow, if me and you ever get like we a get giant corporate building because we start We're some. We're putting a UFO on it. No, fuck that. Instead, our entire building is going to be a ginormous Epcot ball sized. UFO. UFO. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. That'd Creeps and Crimes so headquarters. Yeah, Creeps and Crimes headquarters. Less. And it and the bottom of it looks like a beam that's coming down. It's just an elevator. But instead it's just a giant elevator, elevator. Like the sun like, sphere. Yep. Oh my god, wait. Trademark. Oh my god. No one take that from us. No one take that. So, it's gonna be purple and pink lasers coming down. <laughs> At night we put on the light shows like it's Fantasia. <laughs> It's like beep, boop, 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 boop. It's got all over. Eventually, around this time, he started taking acid, according to his sister. And this was being taken a couple times. Crime labs here. All right. Um, sorry, guys, for that intermission. Crime scene showed up. And they uh, were awesome. Our girl, Jay, I'm not going to say your name on here. 10 out of 10. She was dope. We had the best time ever. Are we recording on that? Yep. We we had the best time ever. It was great. I, I'm kind of glad that my car got broken into because I got to meet <laughs> our girl. Yeah, she was cool. She was cool. Okay, so sorry, Morgan. All Gucci. So I believe... Okay. Eventually, he started taking acid, according to his sister. And this was happening a couple times a day. And I'm unsure of this exact timeline, but apparently at some point from meeting his BFF to now, so taking acid and having the weed, building the ship, right. Granger started having these very real and vivid dreams. And again, not an exact timeline, sometime around then. Okay. But his dreams that he starts having are these reoccurring dreams about aliens. Sorry, I could say dreams one more time. <laughs> were reoccurring about aliens coming and taking him and visiting him and communicating with him. And it was the same thing over and over again. Like he was getting a message from them. Yeah. Also, during their weedy sessions, Granger would elaborate on his reoccurring alien dreams that he had. And how at one point they had offered him this safe passage to these distant parts of the galaxy so that Granger could experience experience advanced technology firsthand because he's ready for it so basically they're like we heard you're good with machines yeah like you're our guy we might need you so Here's i'm gonna talk to you through your dreams offer yeah and the last thing that robert keller his bff remembers is that his best friend granger said that his departure day was approaching and leaving the earth was something that he had to do and had to accomplish hmm on November 29th, 1980, Granger Taylor left that note at his parents' house where he lived on the back of their bedroom door. 
That note was what we read at the beginning. Dear mother and father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien ship as reoccurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe, then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help love Granger. Please follow his will if need be. Okay. A lot of people immediately started jumping to conclusions saying that Granger was not in a sane state of mind um, and that this was a suicide letter. Yeah. And officials, they were kind of thinking the same thing. However, after the family pulls his will, the family was met with something very odd. Okay. Granger modified his will and replaced the words death and deceased with departure and departed. Oh, Lord. Family and friends were split on whether this was an alien abduction or if this was a suicide. Yeah. Jim Taylor, his father, said, quote, it's hard to believe that Granger went off in a spaceship, but if there was a flying object out there, he would be the one to find it. I mean, true. The police did an investigation into a missing person, but there was no sign of Granger anywhere and there was also no sign of his truck. How could someone just get rid of a truck and vanish? Yeah. It was a big fucking pickup truck that he had. Right. And it's gone. And so is he. The last place that he was sighted was at a diner. And this diner, he was a regular customer. Okay. He was there that night at about 6.30 p.m. But that's the only lead they had. There was no body, no other sightings, no car. There was nothing there. For the next 42 months, Granger's parents left their back door unlocked and their son's bedroom intact. Oh hoping that he would return, but when May 29th, 1984 came around, exactly 42 months from the day he left, no one came through that back door. Damn. It wasn't until six years later that forest workers discovered a blast site in the woods. A blast site? Yes. This site was not too far from his parents' farm, and in the middle of the woods was this debris area of roughly 600 foot in diameter that officials deemed a blast site. This was off of a secluded service trail near the top of Mount Prevo, which was only a 30-minute drive from the diner that he was last seen at and 30 minutes from his parents' house. Six years later, some residents come forward, and they're like, you know what? At around 8 p.m. that night, we did hear a really loud boom. But we didn't think anything of it because there was a huge thunderstorm that same night. Now, this is where things get weird. Oh. This wasn't just your regular thunderstorm. The night Granger vanished was what they call a one in 100 year thunderstorm. Oh, shit. It was massive. It knocked down trees. It killed power lines across the areas. And even weirder, Granger knew that it was coming. <gasps> Because he had told his bestie, Robert, just a couple days before he disappeared, that the aliens would arrive under the cover of a storm to camouflage their presence. Wow. And he said to him, quote, any day now, they'll be coming for me. Oh, my God. Did he not want to take Robbie with him? I know. Robbie's probably like, bro, dude, if you if you were like, I'm going to go get abducted by aliens, I'm going to also get abducted. I'm going to go with you. Back at the blast site, officials found vehicle parts, shrapnel embedded in trees, and others buried deep into the ground. Other pieces of shrapnel. Yeah. The police investigated this, and they soon tied this blast site to Granger Taylor's case. Within the debris field were parts displaying a piece of the vehicle identification number, or the VIN number, mm -hmm. which recorded parts of Granger's pickup truck's VIN number. Whoa. But, it was, like, there wasn't a full number. So. Yeah, they couldn't confirm yeah. it completely, but... 
yeah, exactly. suggest yeah yeah a police dog also found fractured human bones the largest being a left arm humerus but there was nothing left of granger taylor's body to make or the body to make a positive id meaning his skull and his teeth weren't found and again this was before dna oh yeah i wonder if they have tested with dna i don't know probably Maybe. not because you said you, we don't know right. all the answers yeah um they also found some clothing remnants that were recovered from the site and these were confirmed by granger's mom to be consistent with a shirt that she had made for him oh god she made How, it yeah however even though these were very like material things and nothing that could truly identify these remains this was enough for the coroner to confirm granger's death and the police were pretty satisfied with this so officially his missing persons case was closed with classification of death being undetermined this case of granger taylor still doesn't sit right with so many people including his family and his friends this scene doesn't compare to anything that the family and friends knew of his disappearance they why would he blow himself up that yeah, doesn't make any the sense the blast site is why would whack. there be a blast site did he try to create his own rocket ship secretly like what what is all that about yeah no it left so many unanswered questions and only fueled the theories so did he blow himself up to aid this his father stated that there was a rather large amount of dynamite that went missing from their family farm around the time that granger vanished now why would they have dynamite because the taylors were licensed to keep and use explosives for stump clearing on their land yeah so Granger, according to his father, was completely familiar and competent with using dynamite and engineering explosive demolitions. So looking at what we know, it does seem pretty obvious that Granger died in a vehicle explosion that night in the middle of the woods. Didn't raise any alarms because there was a giant thunderstorm. So right. big boom, thunder. Damn, that was a big one. You know, yeah. like. I mean, shit's getting knocked over. Trees are falling down. Right. I'm going to be it like. Wouldn't, it, even, it wouldn't bat me an eye. Like, yeah. I would been like, that was loud thunder. That was scary. Yeah. But why? Why would someone who is so untroubled and free thinking and free mi open minded do something like this? There is an argument that he had some sort of undiagnosed mental illness. And with that and the hallucinogenics. And again, he was on, according to his sister, on acid multiple acid. times a day. Yeah. A lot of people speculate that it was all just made up in his own head. And he basically orchestrated his own suicide without even knowing that he did but others believe that granger taylor was truly remarkable he was inventive he mm. was a genius mm -hmm. and a lot of geniuses get labeled as nuts it's crazy that yeah crazy 100 and maybe that's because their thoughts are so far out on some sort of i don't know like an intelligence plane that even normal people like us could never relate or even begin to understand what is going through their head. Yeah. So the questions lie. Could a genius like Granger Taylor project his thoughts into part of the universe that most of us would never be able to comprehend? And maybe in return, aka his dreams, and maybe in return, this alien presence responded to those thoughts and were really communicating with him telepathically. Yeah. Was that all made up in his head as schizophrenia? A lot of people believe schizophrenia. But could he have really believed that he mentally had connected with these aliens? He was he was a fucking genius. He probably did escape our normal realm of intelligence. Yeah. And the only way to leave his human body and to join them on this voyage was to leave his human body, blow him up his truck. And like in that split second, his mind, soul would, or, mind, soul or, or mind would be wherever the aliens were to take him where he was. Right. Or they wanted to take him out because he was getting. Right too right exactly so could the aliens not have physically abducted him but abducted his mind is mm. what a lot of people believe yeah um i found a comment from reddit that suggests a good theory 
and it's about schizophrenia and mm-hmm. this is from the user's name is prosecutor mom on the reddit thread unresolved mysteries and the post was titled the strange disappearance of granger taylor um so i just want to read this because they put it into really good words i don't know much about schizophrenia but this person does so i i like how, the way that they structured everything okay it says really interesting read initial thoughts admitted admittedly conflicting the 42 this is also a thing i i was like oh this one hits two birds with one stone so we're gonna mention it okay. then we'll stop after and talk about it the 42 months would require a will because time flies relative to speed dumb version it's more complex but i can't understand so granger could still be in the midst of his 42 months like to this day traveling as fast and or as far away while we're all diddling here along for however many decades until his return and him just being 42 months older than when he left yeah i don't know what this theory is called it's like the twin theory if like a twin stays on earth and the other twin goes out to a different planet they're going to come back one twin's going to be older and the other one's going to look the exact same yeah yeah um because time like gravity and time ages you time experiences crazy thing yeah so could it be possible that granger that this all is true and he did get abducted by aliens and he's on this 42 month um hiatus but it's really like a 42-year hiatus. Right, because depending on where he would be in the universe, it could be five minutes since he left even today. Right. A month. A month. No, seriously. Yeah. Because, I mean, time is relative to the location that you are. Time is relative. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Still Shakespeare, bitch. (laughs) Still got it. And then they say, the user says, the other more likely thought has to do with schizophrenia. I recently read up on this, specifically where do those voices come from in schizophrenics' heads? Studies are starting to show that the timing involved in thinking in your head is off on schizophrenics. So for a non-schizophrenic person, I might think, quote, I wish a UFO would get me and ask me to travel with them, simultaneous with the voice in my head speaking that thought into my inner voice. A schizophrenic, however, might have the same thought, but the voice in their head speaks before they even get to processing that thought. So like where we would take that time to process a question in our head, there are schizophrenics would already have another voice chiming in like Insane conversation it, yeah. in their head. This makes their own internal voice in these times feel honestly like a stranger talking to them because we all know people do not talk to us in our heads. Schizophrenics initially try to explain away the voices in a way that could sort of make sense. This is why so many sufferers travel the religious route and end up thinking that that voice is God or some other spiritual being. So that would mean the info being spoken aloud in their head would have to be regarding something their own brain possesses knowledge of. Mm. And he's very... I mean, you have to think for years he was studying, researching and thinking about UFOs. So if he did have schizophrenia, then that would make sense. I'll just finish off what they said. It was just real quick. Since Grager went overboard with the UFO research, my thought was that he began developing schizophrenia around that same time. The packing explosives would help destroy his body and he could have done that because the voices told him the only way to get into the ship was by explosives. A lot of explosives to obliterate the physical but he would be quickly telepathically transported to the ship which is exactly heaven's gates thing yeah or some other form of thinking yeah regarding that situation yeah anyways that's granger taylor's case jesus morgan yeah it's wild it is wild and i like to think that because he is i like to think these child geniuses are capable of going beyond like not even child like geniuses in in general in general like freaking elon elon musk Oh, you can't Einstein. tell me this motherfucker hasn't. Who? Albert Einstein. Oh. Who did I just say? Because I almost said Nostradamus at the same time I said I Albert you Einstein. Said Albert Brownstone. And I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. But like, and then what's the other guy's name with the? Um, 
he's a philosopher anyway well, who is that guy i don't know <laughs> what is that guy's name I don't know. I can't. So everyone's screaming at right now. Hey, go comment what that dude's name is. Tesla, Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. All these people. Yeah. Like, I do like to think that they are so intelligent beyond our normal. Comprehension. Like, and I don't want to say normal as like, they're not normal. But like, (laughs) the average mental wavelengths that we are able to. The basic. Exactly. We're basic. These people. And then we have, there's intelligent. But then there's these super intellectual be people beings mm-hmm. that probably can think outside of our fucking box yeah and like maybe maybe granger is so out there i'd like to think so i like to think so too i feel like this is well first off i need someone to find if they ran dna on the remains that they yeah. discovered because i, I doubt it i'm sure it would have popped up i, I don't i don't believe I don't want say that to say like I don't believe that he is deceased because I I don't want to like rehash that trauma or force his family to have to relive that. So, but I I'm really I, I hope that they would run it at yeah. some point. I feel so, like yeah, like a real confirmation, but right. I'm thinking though because they have enough. The case. But here but here's the thing though. You had enough. You had a partial VIN number. And you had a piece, a piece of clothing. And yes, it was his, but that doesn't mean how we. Do, how do we even rule out that foul play wasn't involved? Right. As a whole, like, what if something else was going on? Right. Because why would he go to this remote spot in the woods during this massive thunderstorm with a whole thing of dynamite? Drive out in the middle and, and initially and the, dy- the dynamite. I don't know much about explosives, but if I had to guess, dynamite has to be lit. Yeah, if it's pouring. Piss pouring pouring rain and this gigantic thunderstorm how's that dynamite gonna be set it had to be in the car then right i guess it would have had to have been in the car but the thing is was he in the car was he stepped away and was he trying to clear out a space for the ship to land trying to oh i didn't even think of that that's like the because you said that he was blowing off yeah they used it to get rid of trees yeah i bet he was clearing out a space for that but then like why would he so he, he so then he so say that's what he was doing there he is very competent in mm-hmm. explosive maneuvers. Mm-hmm. He's done it his whole life growing up on that farm. That's what they do. That's what the family job is. Mm-hmm. He would know I'm too close. My car can't be there. Mm-hmm. You know. And another thing that's sketchy also about it is the fact that, like, I get that this is in Canada, but like, did their version of the ATF come out and test those, ex- you know, the ground and see what explosives it was to prove if it, it was, was the dynamite, dynamite, yeah. or if it was something else? Because yeah probably not yeah that's like very concerning and also another thing he had a whole farm why would he go blow somebody else's trees up right again you had your wild. own ufo yeah you had your own ufo in the back yeah. and i'm like imagining the way that they're fielded up to the tree There's line a picture of his ufo Do you i want to see it because all i can envision is your backyard <laughs> from google view <laughs> that's all i can imagine it's so cute. that is so sick that is so cute i'm obsessed i know like he could have gone back in those woods and blown up a bunch of trees if he right. needed a spot for them to take him. I wish I knew the potential timelines that those 42 months would be. Like a- anywhere. Because he said interstellar. What do you say? Interstellar. Um, like that. He's leaving the galaxy. So yeah. 42 months. Like regardless, we're not going to see that in probably 42 years. No. Like what I mean, it takes how long to get to Mars and back two years? Yeah. I think it takes two years to get to Mars. I don't know if we're positive, but I want to say, yeah. I-, I feel like it's something I like think that's that. right and so that's mars that's our closest fucking bestie that's our neighbor yeah we're leaving the two galaxy years two earth years we're leaving the galaxy 
I mean, forty two months his time. That's like probably. light year, like multiple light years. Yeah, like a, an infinite. No idea. We can't even track it because shit can't even go yeah. that far. We lose signal with it. I do feel bad, you know, for his parents. I do stuff. too. It's awful, especially because his dad's like, oh well, you know, like if. They, like they have this hope that their son really did do that. Like their I, son I do is, too. For their them. son is out there in this galaxy and just traveling the. He's getting the trip of a time. fucking lifetime. Yeah, you know they're like, yeah, we we have a genius son. You know, I believe that for them because mm-hmm. what a cool way to like accept your own closure mm-hmm. and doing something that he loves. Like we'll probably not see him again in our lifetime, but I know he's out there. Yeah, he's like, doing something. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. Well, anyway. I hope he really is out there. Just me too. I hope we get to. I hope we get to he see him returns whenever. <laughs> Dude, imagine alive. that he comes back and he's like the president of the United States. Well, now. you think about the well, Canada. What if they have a president, prime minister, whatever? Prime minister. Yeah. I think. You think about the twenty and back program, mm-hmm. and people are like, "I went. I lived twenty years there. Mm-hmm. So this is different. Wherever they went, they were like reverse time. Yeah, where they went twenty years there and they came back, and it was only a couple." couple days where the hell did they go which direction did they go i forget where he said i think i think he went to mars i forget where he said he went oh is it because mars it moves remember, faster no and, he it wasn't mars they left they went to a different planet that we've never heard of oh I forget the what one he said. yeah but he did have a like pit stop at mars for something i remember him yeah i remember about that. that damn oh you didn't tell me what you're the ceo of this week um this week i'm the ceo of glitter <laughs> Yeah, you everyone see my post. I'm the CEO of motherfucking glitter. Yeah. I got it in my hair, my nose, my throat, my ears. Probably my all eyes. of her shoes. Probably all in my house now. It's probably here now. Yeah, but for sure. Glitter has come in and absolutely glitter's crazy. The way that shit gets around. And you know there was a short shortage of glitter like back in the summertime. What? In that? I remember that, but like what in the I hell don't, I is don't, glitter? I never looked more into it, but like what is glitter? Conf- we'll have to Google it. Paper, like reflective paper glass metal and no. what is it about glitter i i have it on my vacuum guys i need to vacuum my vacuum yeah like that it's bad you're gonna have to like take your vacuum outside pretty tree though yeah very cute it's so cute it's so cute i'm the ceo of <laughs> bad luck forensics bad luck <laughs> this week forensic analysis yeah forensic analysis outback steakhouse um i mean there's a bunch of other things that i'm the ceo of uh, yeah, I'm just the CEO of all sorts of things. Shitstorms. It's going good though. Yeah. We're on the up, and honestly, guys, I've uh, I finally yeah. buckled. I wasn't buckled before. That's why shit was going so crazy. But I buckled in. I'm laying my seat back, and I'm closing my eyes, and I'm taking a little rest, and I'm gonna wake up when we fucking get there. You're like right now. This is what you're doing. You're waiting at the beginning of the rock and roll roller coaster. Yeah, it's counting down. You're buckled in. You're relaxing. Yep. And then pretty soon it's gonna fucking shoot off from zero to the eight. No, dude, my shit shot off last week. Okay, I, I'm like, well, I'm, you're around two of the rock and roll right now. Right then. now, I'm unconscious on the rock and roller coaster. My yeah. hands are flaring. Thank God, flailing. Yeah. Thank God, it's got the over the yeah. head hooks on it because I would be falling out yeah thank god yeah so this one i had never heard of before but it's just this one like connected with me on a very very deep level and i i can't even tell you how i came across it like i have no idea where i started in this but i'm just gonna hop right into it tony jill bertolet was born on january 10th 1962 to bob and yvonne bertolet in jackson mississippi she had two brothers barry who was the oldest and todd who was the baby 
I believe. Some reports said that she was the youngest, but in an interview, I heard that she was the middle child. Okay. She was very, very, very close with her siblings. Also, she was the only girl. So, like, of course, they're going to be up her ass checking on her and all the things but also like with her parents and she was raised in a devout christian household a belief system and faith that stuck with her throughout her entire life her family was very very well off they had a lot of oil money and they were very well respected in the community therefore tony was considered to be a quote sophisticated southern belle so think Country club, debutantes, manners classes, high tea. Can we talk about the debutante ball in Paris? <sighs> Craziness. We'll talk about it in Pipe and We got to talk about it in Pipe and I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely do. I need to. I, I've only ever se- I've only seen just a little bit on it, though, but I haven't gone through the entirety of it yet. But we will talk about that in PhD. Anyways, she was described to be to have this gift of seeing the world through. I loved how her mom put this, but she was like, in rainbow vision oh yeah uh she was fueled with compassion and had this natural calling to serve others in fact many people described this as almost in my words like from their roundabout ways of talking about her like a spiritual gift the best way for you guys to understand is through this quote from her parents in an interview with the university of mississippi or oldness where they said quote she felt others pain as well and they would wonder how could she know all that about me and it was uncanny how she could communicate with small children tony was very beautiful thoughtful loving considerate driven and extremely intelligent even while being a basketball and long distance running star also involved heavily involved in her community and church tony graduated with honors from trinity high school in natchez um mississippi i've We've gotten butchered. For We've this gotten before. in trouble for this one. Not dang it! I even practiced it before we got on here, so I don't know I'm very upset. You guys know what I'm talking about. But at her graduation, she received the title of quote the most outstanding senior. Oh. Tony worked extremely hard to be the best that she could at every single thing that she did. So it was no surprise that she had her entire life planned out at just the age of three. Tony wanted to be a doctor. She wanted to use her gifts to heal others while also being the iconic middle sister that she was by honoring her whole family legacy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, after graduation from high school, she enrolled at Ole Miss and she excelled as a student leader, as a student in everything that she did. And this was the same university that her mother, her father, and her two brothers graduated from. A legacy. Yeah, a legacy. Her oldest brother, Barry, became a cardiologist and the, uh, the youngest brother, Todd, went on to become a petroleum geologist. What? Sorry. <laughs> Crazy. A what? A what? So I guess that would like kind of bring back in that oil. Yeah. Yeah. And actually all three of the Bertolet kids got to spend a few years together passing each other on campus because Tony, I, some were, were in undergrad, some were in med school, mm-hmm. some were doing, you know, grad school. And so they were there for a long time and they even lived in the same apartment building, like oh, just funny. right above each other. And so if it got like, I, there was this quote from an article I was reading it was like Todd would call Tony like what are you doing tonight she's like oh I'm having some friends over you know I'm going on a date with a guy for the first time he's going to come back and hang out Todd said well if anything starts going crazy turn on your vacuum cleaner 
And that's what they, that was like the sign. Everyone would turn on their vacuum cleaner. I'm like, well, what happens if, if you're, you're really actually just vacuuming? vacuuming? <laughs> Your brother shows up at your door. And in 1984, Tony graduated from her undergrad summa cum laude and promptly was inducted into Pi Beta Kappa Honorary Society. She continued her education with the University of Mississippi Medical School, where she graduated magna cum laude in 1988, after which she completed a one-year internship and three-year residency in ophthalmology and got married to her first husband. Tony began her medical practice in Mississippi in 1992 and stayed there for a decade until she was ready for something new. In 1999, 37-year-old Tony matched with a man on a dating site called Christian Matchmakers. She was recently divorced from her first husband and still living in Jackson, Mississippi. Tony knew exactly what she was looking for in her next partner, and she made that very clear to anyone that looked at her profile. So when she matched with a man named Harold Henthorne, who checked every single one of her boxes and then some she was elated Harold was 43 years old living in Denver Colorado and he was very well off he worked as a fundraiser he owned like a nonprofit business that raised funds for schools, hospitals, and churches. And just like Tony, he was a devout Christian, born to serve others. He wanted a family. He was an extremely hard worker, driven. He loved the outdoors, hiking, sports, golfing, swimming, just being All active. And he had been married prior. So they kind of have this like understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. However, his first marriage did not end in divorce like Tony's. He actually lost his first wife, Lynn, in a tragic, awful accident just four years prior to meeting Tony. Both Tony and Harold were immediately head over heels for each other and knew that they had finally found like their person, someone that understood them that they could live out the rest of their lives with and build a family with. So just nine months after matching online, flying back and forth to see each other, hanging out, meeting each other's families, long conversations, Tony and Harold were ready to tie the knot. They got married in September of 2000 and because of Harold's business, only being in Denver, Tony had to take the leap and move from Mississippi where she had lived her entire life to Colorado. This was a big deal for her and her family. She was extremely close with each of her parents and siblings, sister-in-laws. She was especially close with her mother, Yvonne. They were... Mm -hmm inseparable and she had never lived anywhere other than Mississippi but she was excited for this this was a big and scary thing but it was fun and it was filled with love and it was kind of like her second wind right Tony moved in with Harold and they started their life together in the Highlands Ranch suburb where she joined Cherry Hills Community Church immediately joining the choir and becoming a Sunday school teacher Tony worked as the team ophthalmologist for the National Hockey League's Colorado Avalanche oh slay crazy um but for for her practice, Tony became a partner in the firm of Associates in Eye Care, where she conducted cataract, LASIK, and facial cosmetic surgeries. And she grew to be one of the most beloved eye doctors in the whole city because of her incredible heart and generosity. But most importantly, though, Tony's biggest life dream was finally fulfilled in 2005, when after years and years of trying, she finally gave birth to her and Harold's daughter, 
Haley. Aww. Their family was officially complete in the most perfect way possible. By September of 2012, Haley was seven years old and Harold and Tony's 12th wedding anniversary was quickly approaching. The couple celebrated big milestones in their relationship and lives to honor their wonderful love story filled with dreams coming true and honestly just like second chances. This year was Harold's year to plan something. Per usual, he wanted to make it perfect for Tony. So he locked in a babysitter for Haley, contacted the receptionist and everyone at her office to make sure that her schedule was cleared Aww. on the day of their anniversary without her knowing so that he could be the first patient of the day for her and surprise her with this big day of celebrating their love and set out to find the perfect trail for he and Tony to hike in Rocky Mountain National Park. This was very important because not only did he want their day to be perfect, but he wanted to make sure that it was thrilling and safe at the same exact time. Though Tony loved hiking and being outside and being active, she had bad knees from injuries years prior that forced her to pull back heavily when it came to any activity. Mm -hmm. She was absolutely distraught when she learned that hiking trails were no longer going to be able to be a part of her regular life anymore especially because she just moved to Denver for the last several years Tony and Harold had been taking very few hikes but they still took them mainly they swam golfed or played horseshoe with friends she missed the trails and always felt like the mountains were calling to her so Harold he went to the national park and he hiked six different trails in like multiple week spans to try and find the perfect one oh. for Tony and one that she could handle that was still kind of like challenging in a way right. so she could feel more accomplished about it. So Harold went into the national park and he hiked six different trails in a two-week span for the single purpose of making sure that Tony would get the hike of a lifetime within her limits. And he finally found the perfect one on Deer Mountain. On the morning of September 29th, 2012, Tony went into work normal. She stepped into her exam room to meet with her first patient of the day. To her surprise, it was Harold. And when she turned around, her entire office was standing behind her filming her <laughs> from the eye care firm, giggling and cheering as Harold told Tony that she was not working today. Instead, they would be going on this big anniversary journey or That's adventure. Sweet. And everyone was so excited for Tony because she was like the hardest. She never took a day off. Yeah. So they were like this. Yeah, need this, she needs this. Tony immediately changed into her hiking clothes and together the couple jumped in their car heading for the mountains arriving just an hour or so later at Deer Mountain smiling and taking pictures to show Haley their daughter and just chatting as they walked the two-mile hike up the mountainside just before 3 30 p.m. and well into their hike Harold led Tony off of the main trail for her biggest surprise of the day it took them a little over an hour to get to the location that Harold wanted to take her to but when they did Tony was absolutely amazed Harold had hand-picked the most perfect scenic cliff for a romantic and secluded 12th anniversary picnic dinner. And Cute. he had, like packed all the like food and everything for them. But then something went terribly wrong. While they were making their way to the picnic cliff, they could see it from where he like showed it to her, but they had to like scale essentially a thin trail on the cliffside to get there. Tony lost her footing and she fell 130 feet to the ground below. Oh my God. Immediately, 
Harold dropped everything, rushed down to his wife's aid as fast as he could. He found a way to get to the level that she was from the cliffside. And then he had to like scale over these rock, like super rocky area to get to where Tony was. And that took him like 15 minutes to get down to where she was, 30 minutes to crawl over to her. And he finally got to her 45 minutes after she fell. And she had a very apparent head injury, but she was still fighting to breathe. It was just very shallow. Harold carefully checked Tony and repositioned her, moving her to a safer location before finally being able to call 911 at 5.54 p.m. He told the operator that Tony's breathing was weak and that she had a head injury. And he asked that they send in helicopters teams to come rescue them immediately. Harold later spoke to a second operator and told them that he had built a fire into one of the rock enclosures near them to try and give a signal of their exact location and updating them that Tony's breathing had become more shallow and then soon after that on this phone call he could no longer hear her breathing. Harold told the operator that he had tried chest compressions and that she gave him instructions on how to do it properly because he wasn't doing it properly and he continued. Harold then made another 911 call and asked if help was on the way or close or what the deal was. The operator said that the ranger was calling out for Harold but Harold did not hear any of these calls or could not hear anybody near them. The EMT rangers finally got to them at around 8 p.m. and they examined Tony. However, Unfortunately, it was too late. She had passed before they could arrive. That's so sad. Police spoke to Harold about the circumstances surrounding Tony's death. And he told police that he did not see her fall because he was leading them. Just like turned around. He had been on his phone like looking at the location that they were. And he just kind of heard something and turned around and Tony was gone. And But then he was like, it was just a blur. Like I don't even know how it happened. Right. Throughout this entire process, Harold had also been texting Barry, who is Tony's older brother, about exactly what was going on when he could get the service that he needed to. And here's a screenshot of the I have a screenshot that's going to be on our Instagram post of what he said just so you can see it Morgan um it says Barry dot 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 urgent dot 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 Tony is injured dot 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 in Essence Park dot 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 fall from rock the next one says critical dot 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 requested flight for life another one says EMT ranger on the way please come to Denver next flight low cell bat please return message this was at 7 15 p.m to her brother to her brother okay. this was at 7 15 p.m i'm sorry 7 16 p.m and so he had been on the phone with 911 operators since 5 45 and these are finally going through to barry and barry says got the message do i need to call separately for help like what what is going on and he immediately contacts his parents his brother everyone in their family and friends and just like we got to get out there number one number two everyone needs to pray something is really wrong an investigation immediately took place by law enforcement officials due to the fact that this was a death in a national park so this is standard anytime that someone dies on federal land there has to be an investigation into it but it revealed some shocking pieces of evidence that no one was expecting inside Harold's jeep the first thing investigators found the only thing that stood out to them as odd was this map. 
It was a map of the area, pretty typical. And it had like trails marked on it, as people do. And it looked pretty typical for someone who had been scouting out the perfect anniversary hike with going on various trails, highlighting them, saying yes or no. But what stood out to investigators was not that. It was this one particular X that was hand-drawn by Harold on the page. And that X marked the exact spot of the location where Tony fell to her death. Oh my god and i'm gonna show it to you so you can see like how far off it is from everything else so it's a giant loop off the trail and yeah. they're in the center of the trail and it took them like an hour to hour and a half to get over to where that is and again this guy's is going to be on our instagram creeps and crimes podcast i hope you know that's what it is because <laughs> that's what you're listening to um surprise <laughs> harold told his best friend Daniel when investigators found this map and brought it to him and asked him about it that it had been discovered like he I guess he was was with Daniel when he got the call and he like came back in and he was like frantic absolutely frantic being like they found this map they found a map they found a map that's like all he kept saying but like never elaborated as to why he was freaking out about it what the hell days later maybe even weeks go by and Daniel is hanging out with Harold and Harold says something to Daniel along the lines of hey you know that map well I actually drew that map for you it was a great hike I wanted you to be able to go on it so I highlighted it for you and I was showing you where the picnic cliff was and Daniel was like oh that's super nice because Daniel like I said Daniel was his best friend and knew Tony and Harold and Haley's like family dynamic very well because he actually lived with them for a little bit while when he first moved to Denver they were that close you know mm -hmm. after he says this you know Daniel's not really thinking anything of it he's like well that was really nice of you thank you so much Harold then continues saying you know I didn't do this I mean you lived with us why would I ever hurt my wife I love my wife out of nowhere and Daniel's like yeah uh, why would you and do they think, think did, yeah. do they think that you did it because he truly believed that he did know his best friend better than anyone else in the world and that there was no shot in hell that Harold would ever be capable of this it was just a fucking accident end of story but all of Tony's friends and family Denver and Mississippi felt that something wasn't right in fact 16 calls letters emails tips came in to law enforcement requesting that they look at Tony's death not as an accident but as a homicide and pointed everyone pointed the finger at Harold everyone what like this was so mind-blowing no one like this was out of left field so the fact that people were like look into him. look into him was very alarming because no one was giving off any vibes that they needed to look up at him in a weird light prior to this everyone loved him and then all of a sudden some it was like a, a switch was flipped mm -hmm. also receiving tips about tony's death was denver's cbs4 investigative reporter and 48 hours consultant brian moss according to 48 hours all this tip said was harold's first wife died in a freak accident as well that was it so naturally being an investigative reporter brian begins looking into the death of harold's first wife lynn and i just want to note before we talk about sweet lynn that her siblings were involved in the or interviewed in the 48 hours episode on this case so i'm gonna cry to see them smile so sincerely when speaking about their sister mm-hmm it was so pure, genuine, and just truly heartfelt. Just the thought of Lynn made them glow mm -hmm. from the inside because she made them feel safe, 
warm, loved, and just was that good of a person. And I swear to God, too. Like, guys, I wrote I wrote this down because I was just jotting down notes in my notebook as I was watching this 48 hours, like handwriting them. I wrote the, those notes that I just said to you and I had pressed pause. Okay, they had popped up on the screen, barely like said her name, pressed pause on the screen, to, wrote that down and pressed play again. I swear to God that when I pressed play, the first thing they said was how amazing and bright Lynn's spirit was. According to her siblings, she was a good, kind, loving, nurturing advocate of a woman. And it makes total sense, especially when you learn that her career was in social work. They and even their partners went on and on and on about just how happy they were when Lynn found the love of her life in Harold. She was incredibly happy and just absolutely adored adored him. But it wasn't just Lynn that was obsessed with Harold. Everyone in the family was. He was amazing brother-in-law, son-in-law, uncle to all of his nieces. Like when I say to all, like I'm a gaggle of girls, yeah. a ton of them. And he was an amazing husband with just such a natural charm and hunger for life and like want to share love. They were just blown away because he truly was the perfect person that they could have imagined for Lynn like a match made in heaven like truly and the two got married in 1983 and they built an amazing life together according to Harold on May 6 1995 Harold and Lynn had gone out for dinner and then decided to go the long way home type of drive through um, this city or community or town called Sedalia and it's very remote way out there not a lot of people still in Denver yeah still in Colorado like Douglas County and so they take this like they wanted to drive go on a little late night drive and they go down this area but it was just like on their way home like a big big loop they were on a back road that has no no lights Harold who is driving feels that they're getting a flat tire and asks Lynn like do you feel that is that the road and she's like it's definitely a flat tire so they pull over on the shoulder it's, me. it's always the road it is Aaron's like it's a flat tire I'm like it's always the road it's the road that's not my the tire's fine yeah yeah so they pull off to the shoulder and it like I said it's so dark it's a back road in this remote town and they get out to change the tire because it for sure was flat it was not the road Harold got the jack he lifted the car and um he starts removing the lug nuts Lynn was helping him by holding the flashlight while also like putting all of the pieces from him taking this part all the little tiny ones in her hand because this thing was gonna roll off Mm -hmm. or get lost so they were he was like this is your job you protect these with your life she's holding them he's removing it she's got the flashlight and once Harold removed the flat tire from the car took it off and began walking past his wife to place it into the back of the car Lynn accidentally dropped one of the lug nuts that she was holding luckily she could see exactly where it rolled to in the faint light that they did have from their car so she just quickly got down on the ground and reached under the car oh my god to grab it but also at that exact same time Harold had lifted the flat tire into the trunk jarring the car and the jack collapsed due to the shock trapped under the full weight of the car was Lynn she she suffered horrific injuries that resulted in her death at the young age of 37 oh my god investigators responded to the call and conducted a six-day investigation into Lynn's death before closing the case ruling her manner of death accidental confirmed by the coroner this was a tragic and traumatizing 
death accident for any any and everyone that was involved which is probably why investigators with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office were not too surprised that Harold was obviously struggling through their interviews and conversations with him and when I say struggling I mean like he could not get his story straight it was like he didn't want it to be real it was different. According to 48 Hours Reporting and Brian Moss from CBS4, Harold told a number of deputies very conflicting stories. There's a bunch, but I'm just going to give you the examples that were given in this episode because I didn't want to read you guys the entire court doc. So he first said they were on their way home from dinner. And then he said, well, we were on our way to go get dinner. And then he said, Lynn called out his name after the Jeep fell on her. And then he changed that to, she simply said, I think something is on top of me when the Jeep fell on her. Then he said that he was the one who pulled Lynn out from underneath the Jeep before they arrived, thus relieving the pressure. And then he said that, no, it actually wasn't him. It was a car full of people that stopped by to help him. And they pulled her out from under the Jeep and left before EMTs could arrive. Now, now, this, with the change in stories, immediately caught the attention of Barry, Tony's oldest brother, who Harold had been texting through this entire horrific ordeal. Mm -hmm. After Tony's death, Harold gave him and his family three different stories as to what resulted in his little sister's death. The first one was that she was trailing behind. He was in front of her. He turns around because he doesn't hear her behind her him anymore. She's gone. He, ha he wasn't on his phone. They were just walking and he looks over and he sees her laying below the next one was that he got a text which is the one I first told you and that he stopped to check it uh, he stopped to check it she was still behind him because her knees were hurting she stopped to look over the ledge a ways back he heard a sound turned around looked everywhere she was gone looks down she had fallen number three was that she was actually taking a photo of him on her phone and was trying to get the perfect shot but he she wanted the picture of the trail behind him not the gorgeous cliff and overlook so she had her back to the cliff and stepped over it and fell down immediately I'm like that's not the case right because why would she want a picture with you beside a million trees that you've seen before? Right, and that not are, the view. And not the whole view that we're up here looking at. Anyways, so investigators began looking into both Lynn and Tony's accidental deaths and comparing a few things. And pretty quickly, they were able to establish a motive as to why Harold would want his wife's dead money both Lynn and Tony had very large life insurance policies that he was the sole beneficiary of I have this down I want to let you guys I just want to reiterate this Lynn's investigation was taken place by the Douglas County Sheriff's Department Tony's was a federal so it was FBI the then new Douglas County coroner as of 2011, so just a year prior to Tony's death, Laura Thomas had gotten a hold of Lynn's file. She had been a Colorado State Trooper for years and years and years prior to making the switch to becoming the coroner because she had this special eye for reviewing old cases like Lynn's while investigating Tony's death. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that jumped out at her in Lynn's case when reviewing the file was the Jack. There is nothing in Lynn's file, the police report at all, that would even suggest that investigators actually checked to be sure that Harold's jack was 100% defective. Because for a jack of this specific brand and make to fail, it was and still is like a 0.00001% chance. Like it is incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. Instead, investigators just took Harold's word for it, despite the fact that it was almost unheard of for this brand and type. 
And the next thing was the tire lug nuts that Lynn had dropped that she had been holding, specifically the one that rolled under the Jeep that she crawled under there to get. Well, when you look at the crime scene photos from the night of her death, you can very clearly see that the shoulder they were on was uneven, extremely sloped, and it was gravel. It was just pure gravel. So the jack comes into question, but what lug nut would roll uphill in gravel? Right. What can roll in gravel? Right. Nothing. It would just stay put because it's uneven and it, it doesn't go far if it and does if it roll. Did, it rolled down. Right. And it's not like she was standing by the car. She stepped back so he could walk in front of her with the tire. Right. So for it to have gone under her car, it would have had to have been thrown underneath there. Mm-hmm. Even more, to me, alarming, just like Tony and Harold, when Lynn died, it was just around the time of their 12th wedding anniversary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, y'all. It's me, Taylor. Yeah, I'm on another different microphone. What's going on? Uh, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm actually going to turn this into a two-parter. I didn't realize until, until, until I started editing it that my part was two hours long. So... This is going to be a two-parter. We will pick it up exactly where we left off at the beginning of episode 168 next Thursday. This was completely unexpected. I hate doing this to you guys so last minute, but the episode is going to be three hours long if I put it out, and I don't know that y'all are going to be able to sit through all that. So we're going to break it up. I love you guys so much. Morgan says she loves you too. Kissy, kissy, smoochy, smoochy, TTYL, besties. Love you. Bye. Have a great rest of your Thursday.